0: So we're looking at like how the words are actually formed. When you're hiring for a technology manager, what does that mean? Are you looking for a technical technology manager? Are you looking for someone who grew up in the chops of software development, knows all of the full delivery lifecycle? Or are you looking for someone who's more project focused? If your job description isn't conveying those skills or that type of clarification in the job description, you're not going to get the right person. You might get lucky, but... When you're hiring at scale, you know you can't do that time and time again. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful.
1: Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization.
0: Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking.
1: good experience pays dividends down the line.
0: Stereotypes tend to break down in
1: proximity. Welcome, to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everyone. Welcome to We're Only Human. I'm so glad you're here with us. Looking forward to a fun conversation, really diving into skills, talents, data, all those kind of fun things, like the trifecta of nerdiness here, and so glad that I have a fellow nerd friend someone who I appreciate very much, Brian Jackson here from Southwest Airlines to talk about some of these things, how he sees the market, the kind of work he's doing, all that good stuff. Brian, welcome.
0: Hey man, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. So I have the distinct pleasure to meet you in person. I don't know if it was a year ago or not now. It's been a while, but I got a chance to meet you at the HQ there. And if anybody's out there listening, that's in HR, that's in talent, They do these regular sessions where they bring in leaders from outside the organization to talk about what culture's like at Southwest, everything else. And so I happened to be there on a day that was happening. And so it was fun to just see all the stuff going on, all the energy, and y'all doing some incredible work. So I'm glad to say, call the Southwest team a friend and glad to have you here to talk about some of the stuff that you're seeing in the market, some of the ways you're making decisions and looking at data, all that good stuff. So before we get into all the fun... Would you take a minute and tell the audience more about who you are and what you do, please?
0: Yeah, thanks, Vince. Brian Jackson. My background is in sourcing or talent acquisition. Uh, That's ultimately led me into this new world of talent intelligence with a kind of focus on the labor market side of it. Uh, In addition to finding the top talent for our clients, uh, the past five years at Southwest has really been in the sourcing and TA functions, so specifically supporting Southwest. The five years previous to that one was more of an agency, traditional headhunter going out and trying to find for multiple clients. So bringing those large landscape views to Southwest and then from Southwest, narrowing that into more of a market view is where my role has led me into this to discuss more of the broader labor issues, helping provide those larger insights, trends, what's happening with certain talent pools. That's where the fun is right now because it's it's unknown. We're we're going through and figuring out how we can digest all that information, but also give good actionable insights back to the business.
1: That was one of the fun conversations you and I had before is how you ended up ending up in this sort of unique role of, Hey, what's happening in the world? And you're like, I like data. Let me take a look and see. And then you became that sort of evolved into the work you're doing. Do you think that came from your wealth, your breadth of experience, as an outside recruiter who is working for different companies, because you had a little bit of a handle on that? Is it because you naturally have a bent towards the data? Is it a combination of all the things?
0: All the above, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> it's one thing when you're working for multiple clients, you're not going to go out, you're not going to find seventeen hundred different candidates to fill their roles with. You're gonna you're gonna find five candidates. You're gonna find you're gonna talk to these people. You're gonna build those relationships, and they get to know those companies and what they need. But in order to do all that, you got to talk to probably 30 to a hundred people. So your breadth, to your point, it's just going to be increased on the agency side of life. And then once you're able to come over into the corporate, or if you decide to make that leap over, now you're going to be focused more on like the strategy of what that market's telling you. So I think it's like kind of that being able to look back at the talent pool, not necessarily get too hung up on the ones and twos, but look at it from the whole number there. And that's... To your point, that's where it all evolved. Now we're telling a story. Now we're using, I'm helping you understand something that I have been doing for a year or the last six months. I can tell you how hard it is, but (laughs) it's much easier to say, I've talked to a thousand people of those thousand, 200 replied back to me, roughly a 20% response rate. So now just by talking through what I've done, I'm starting to quantify all of those different steps and that's getting into telling the story with data it, just out of necessity almost Yeah.
1: You know. yes it you can't get into the, the nuances of every single one of those you just start looking at that with a broad perspective so that's kind of leads me into what i wanted to talk to you about is You've been spending a lot of your time looking at skill availability in certain markets, thinking about bigger labor market issues, everything else. I know one of the conversations we had, you are like, you're living in the FRED data, basically, right? All the stuff that the government's reporting back on, job openings and everything else, talent availability, you were eat, sleep, and breathing that for, again, more than a year now. Why should the people listening into this, these enterprise TA teams, why should those things be on their radar?
0: Yeah. I think it really starts at staying ahead in most cases. this is We're keeping up with this evolution of market demands. And honestly, this is the big picture. We don't know what's going to be happening next month. We have an idea of what happened last month. So let's use kind of a good firm data set as our foundation to understand basic trends. This is where I think the labor market, the macro labor market being more of we're looking a month back so it's not going to be current point in time so it's going to be using those trends to get into the organizational talent pool this is where a lot of every organization is different they all have different hiring needs they have different hiring practices methodologies cultures. so very difficult to do a broad stroke across all companies so when we bring it into the business units i think that's going to be the case of really focus on every even within a company you may be doing the same skill, but you have a different approach to it. You use a different part of the business. Maybe there's a different sense of urgency with that as well. So now like all of those little nuances are very difficult from a data perspective to be nerdy, to bifurcate from, right? Like you have to really make sure that you're taking all of that together and looking at it as a whole. And that's kind of that talent intelligence world. So we're using data, we're using insights, for, and that's where those worlds are coming together. The companies... Man, if you're doing any sort of hiring at scale, and I want to say at scale in this sense too, because that's where we're looking at labor market. We can't say we're going to hire one person. Oh, but look at all these thousands of people out there that are unemployed right now. That That's not apples to apples. You're completely different universes here. We have to look at when we're hiring at scale, what can we compare that to? So comparing like data sets is what we're essentially doing here. If you don't have your hiring thousands of people you're hiring tens of thousands of people if you're stuck into a couple of hundreds that's going to be best to go out and do some smiling dialing knocking on doors talking to people to understand what that particular market so it's on your use case the big picture may or may not work out for you okay
1: Thinking when you said you're hiring one person, there's the lower you scale down in terms of your hiring volume, the more it's, we're using a tank to kill a house fly. We don't need this kind of horsepower or this right. kind of depth of looking at things. But when you are saying, hey, we've got to hire 30,000 of these people to do this type of job next year, suddenly you start to really feel the pressure of, do they exist right now? If so, Mm -hmm. where are they? Are their skills what we need? Are those skills shifting from what they were last year in this role? And next year's going to be something different. It's going to evolve, How are we going to make sure our current people are ready for that? How are we going to make sure the next people are ready for that? So there's all these questions start presenting themselves when you start to scale that up and think about just how difficult it is to make all those pieces line up. So that's why I appreciate that perspective on this. One of the things I keep going back to like how Brian ended up in this role, which I didn't mean for this whole conversation to be that way. But I think someone else listening into this may may hear this and think, oh, I, I like this idea, too. I'm interested in this, too. So trying to make sure I meet those people where they are. We talked about some of the, these pieces of this and you got really comfortable with, OK, I can take all that data and I can start looking at those things. I can start making recommendations. I can start making I can make slide decks all day long, but I've got to actually start sharing some advice, sharing some recommendations based on those things. Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier, it's because you were naturally leaned that way towards the data side. I think your experience as a sourcer also got you really comfortable with looking at the skills of a role, not just a job posting and hoping that person showed up, but, you got used to going out and finding the people based on whatever those skills were. And now you're just doing a really big souped up version of that volume. So everyone listening to that. So I want to kind of transition this way. That's one of the things that you, we, had, we had touched on. But the other piece of this is where you actually sit. And you don't have to be some Southwest specific necessarily, but you talked about talent intelligence and I've had one of our mutual friends, Travis Wendling on in the past to talk about this, but it's like this weird space between people analytics over here and TAs over there and... Hey, where are we going to put these people? They talk about talent. Hmm, <laughs> we'll put them in the middle of all these things, but you're not really in one or the other fully, yeah. it feels like.
0: I'm going to put a third curveball into that. Okay, Brian right. I actually sit on the recruitment marketing team in talent acquisition in the people department. So <laughs> to to throw in all the buzzwords there, yeah, that's we're a little different in how we approach this. I think we, sitting on the recruitment marketing team gives a little different perspective, because it's not just data that we're looking at, it's also who's going to be viewing that job description. So we're looking at like how the words are actually formed, like what, when you're hiring for a technology manager, what does that mean? Are you looking for a technical technology manager? Are you looking for someone who has grew up in the chops of software development, knows all of the full delivery lifecycle? cycle? Or are you looking for someone who's more project-focused, that really just is a project manager that's going to be managing several it's different technology yeah. teams across the board? Or are you looking for a very specific kind of technology manager that only focuses on one type of skill? Let's say, it's been a while since I've been in the technology recruiting world, but back a couple of years ago, it was DevOps was a hot one, right? Like, what part of DevOps, right? How do you define DevOps? That in and of itself is its own nuance. Now we're looking at nuance upon nuance. And if your job description isn't conveying those skills or that type of clarification in the job description, you're not going to get the right person. You might, I say that you might get lucky. Yes. A blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. And when you post and pray and that's your methodology of finding people, it's going to happen. But when you're hiring again at scale, you don't, you can't do that time and time again, because now that's how much that cost of hiring is exponentially increasing by posting it more than twice. Yes. Go through, get it done, take a little bit longer understand the skills what does that mean like why are we what are we looking for here i need someone that's got a background in development but we're going to be supporting an infrastructure team okay so now we've got two areas of focus instead of all of technology management or now, now we're starting to get into more of the skill focus and i think that's where the I had another one back again the sourcing world of understanding like what the puzzle pieces fit together i had the technology sourcer background not a so like I understood how they went together or what connected, not necessarily how, the how work they out. did it. Yeah. So that's where I would go. Okay. If you're looking for A, B, and C skill, that actually equals, and that's the the start of the talent intelligence and what the profiles that we use and really how we look at some of these more difficult to hire positions. And then you can't just go and just talk to someone and say, oh yeah, you sound like you got a good personality. Come on. <laughs> job title match. Okay,
1: we're good to go. Yeah. Well, that job title could mean 20 different things depending on the kind of company, the type of role, all that stuff. I think it's a really great clarification there for anyone listening to that. It's a good practical takeaway of don't assume that job title means the same thing across all those because that example you gave was a great one where it can mean a lot of different things. I remember when we were, or for an engineering company when I was doing the recruiting for them and we had specifically broken out as a career track technical program managers. We need a technical person that has a little of the program management piece but the other track there that they were counterparts to was a very specific program manager. They were only doing that part. They had no technical background at all. And so we had to understand where to plug the right one in because if we said, oh, we need we need a TPM here. Like, no, they're just gonna be doing budgets all day and forecasts and schedules. That person would punch himself in the face probably because it was not what their strengths were. We said, hey, we've got seven engineers on this project, you got to make sure that all those resources are aligned all the way through the end, through all the milestones, everything else. That's where they're going to really shine. And so we had to find out that sort of thing. And we created a separate specific set of tracks to be able to align those things because we stumbled over that more than once, I'll say, and learned the hard way that you can't just assume they're the same thing.
0: Yeah. Well, and from your talent acquisition team's perspective, they're thanking you <laughs> because now they're not having to go and rework the position. They just worked three months on three months ago. And they knew how hard it was. So now you may not have the highest priority, the most intent going into it. Because like, I just filled this wreck. Why am I doing this again? So like that kind of, you're chasing your tail at that point. So work smarter, not harder. Getting into that, why would we even need talent intelligence? That's what it boils down to. It's just working smarter, more efficiently, effectively.
1: Yes. Getting pointed in the right direction. So let's talk about some of those mm-hmm. things. So as someone who's in this, intelligence space that's still relatively new across the spectrum of all the different types of roles in TA and elsewhere. What kind of insights are you looking for when you're trying to make decisions? You've already said this isn't about a decision to hire one person. It's a decision to hire lots of people or move in a big direction, or we're opening this new operation. We've got to be able to staff that up. There's lots of different strategic things that might force that. What sort of insights, data sources, things like that are you considering when you're making those calls?
0: We we talked about it. We've been talking about it. It's the evolution of the skills. We mentioned that earlier. It depends on what company you're in, but now it's really going to depend on what geographic market you're in. If you would ask me five years ago, what does your hardest to hire group need? I might have said we needed a higher salary band, or maybe we needed more remote work focused. This is all pre pandemic, of course, yeah. but when you're speaking, speaking to the end of insourcing the tech town, growing digital transformation, we're really starting to blow up more of the evolution of these skills. So different labor markets, different geographic areas are going to have different needs when we hire in Dallas commuting is a different conversation than when we hire in Chicago. Dallas I'll speak very generally here about techs, and everyone drives along. Like, Texas is big, right? Yes. For me, I live in Fort Worth. I drive 50 miles to get to headquarters. It takes me about an hour. Ironically, when I used to live in Dallas, I live 10 miles away and it would take me about 45 minutes. <laughs> Distance is more important about time of commutes. So you need to know the market. You need to know if you live in Fort Worth, a commutable drive to Love Field, not too bad. Depends on every person, now of course. But when you go to the Chicago area, your mileage just can change completely. So if we're looking at us going to either let's say O'Hare, which is been the North end of Chicagoland, you're not gonna go and try to talk to somebody on the South side. Cause now in order to get there, they have to take, and I don't I'm, don't know the L system that well, but I'm gonna say about two, two to three different trains just to get up to the South, the North side. How long is that commute gonna be? Is that a doable commute? So just knowing your market. So as we zoom in and out of those different markets, each of those are gonna have different needs. We use a, a talent neuron for a lot of our external talent data. So by, by able to use them, we're able to go in and see job descriptions uh, of all posted talent profile or talent groups. So it goes back to the old sourcing days of looking through hundreds and hundreds of profiles to understand, am I about to talk to the right one or am I on the right path? I do that now with job descriptions. So we'll go through and I'll come through job descriptions and I'm, depends on how what level of fidelity we're looking at. If we're trying to get a general view, I'm not going to read every single one. I'm going to do some skimming, scanning, read a couple, ingest, whatever they're trying to advertise to our similar talent pool. Hiring an entry-level, let's say, warehouse worker with a sign-on bonus, three years ago, you would have been laughed out the door. (laughs) Now, last year, if you weren't having a sign-on bonus and... Like you weren't going anywhere. Like you weren't getting the hires you needed. So the market changes, we've all experienced this in the last couple of years, especially in post-pandemic or 2021 and on, the needs are going to depend on what the larger market dictates. We were very heavy in the consuming of durable goods at that time. So we're getting all of this stuff off Amazon. We're a big just consumption mode. All of Demand from the pandemic and everyone's changing jobs and getting more money moving to home like all of these things are happening so it's like that the snowball effect now we're pulling back we're going more towards services so again looking at the larger labor market we're able to say okay i'm seeing trends in consumer goods spend increasing and transportation and hotel services are laying flat or they're declining okay maybe we're about to get a big e-commerce boom that's looking back at 21 and 22 and seeing some of that stuff but really determining what those skills are now that we see in the market is going to help us in the future too. So just because we're trying to react right now, I think that's a lot of how talent intelligence, this is the maturity of talent intelligence as a practice, but especially at Southwest, we're starting, we're setting our, our baseline now. We're understanding what it means when we have a major economic upturn, what that happens to our labor group. Like, before we have we, we just got to hire more people or we got to post more jobs. Let us know in six months how that's going, how many people you've hired, and then we'll make another adjustment. So like, we're no longer thankfully in those states. We're able to make a little bit more real-time decisions based on data. We're able to see these trends happening. And that honestly, that's the fun part for me, like why I get excited about just talking about data. And if you would have asked me 15 years ago, would you be excited about like this? I would have laughed at you and said, no, I'm not that nerdy. And look at me now. and Look at you now! Got a popcorn
1: in yeah. a front row seat to this. Is, is changing. And that, there's some fun to that, though. That's why I love the research. Because I tell people I just like to know what's underneath the rock, so right. I turn them over. I'm like I don't know all the answers, but occasionally I'll find something. Even if it tells me I was completely wrong, I'm just glad to know. I feel precisely. like
0: precisely that, that curiosity that f- leads you to the answer. Going back a little bit to what all of my need in this role or how this role. What I find most interesting is I don't know the answer to most things I'm doing. I get to go and research, I get to find that out. I get to say, "Oh, we're looking at this labor market data. We're now pulling in this talent pool for this particular market. What does that mean? Okay, we see 30,000 is our supply of candidates and our competition is just under 1,000. There's a lot of people out there and not a lot of people getting a job. Should we enter that market or should we start looking at either transferable or adjacent skills to maybe pull some of that market over this way to us? Or that supplied never
1: I'm going to challenge you a little bit. You said, I don't know the answers. And I'm going to say that there probably isn't one clear, real answer to this, right? There's probably multiple answers on, the, on this spectrum. And so you're saying, okay, let me look at all the stuff I can and then make my best accurate judgment based on that. We may find out six months later that it was, I should have adjusted this way, adjust, adjusted that way. But it's not that there is one answer and you're just like, I gotta go dig all this stuff up because if someone else is trying to follow in your footsteps, I don't want them to think, Oh, Brian mm-hmm. seems like, no, all the, he just landed on the right thing. No, you're not that lucky. And unfortunately, Correct. like yeah, no. neither of us Listen. is that smart. We just got to keep, you got to keep digging keep looking. Use the blind squirrel finds a nut. Every once in a while, use that saying earlier. That was what my <laughs> wrestling coach used to tell me. I don't know why he did, but I used to get that occasionally when I went a match. Speaking of that piece on the, if someone else is following your footsteps, I want to ask a question around that. If you don't mind, I'd love for you to talk to someone who is where you were two or three years ago. Who maybe is at the beginning of this or is seeing some of these things like hey i think some of the stuff ryan's talking about today is relevant to our organization or we don't have someone that's dedicated to this but i'm intrigued by the idea of looking at some of these bigger trends and being the expert in my organization for those things what advice would you give them how should they start building that out in themselves the skill or a set of skills how should they start feeling out their leadership's interest or openness to that we can walk through this for a little bit. I don't really understand that piece because there's no uh, college degree that says, hey, I want to go into talent intelligence. There's nothing, it's not out there. It's just someone starts out probably like you, has get, feels out some of these things and realizes, hey, maybe I could do this. So let's start off. What, How should someone be starting if they're in your sort of shoes a couple of years ago before you really got into this deeply? What sort of things should they start doing, thinking about prioritizing?
0: That's a great question because I think every... Everyone I've talked to in the talent intelligence space has a different path to today. Using my experience and my background, sourcing talent acquisition, talking to people, understanding what their needs are, less of what job they did. I think that's going to be one anticipating in the anticipating of needs or wants. How do you do that? What does that mean? First, you got to speak up. At the end of the day, if you have an idea or if you know something, Or if you saw something online that was a great article and you then followed that that second, third level down and got the actual source information, share that. That's the part that I'm, the more I'm learning about the data world and it needs to really be just democratized. Data is powerful, it's very important, but if you are the only one that knows it, what does that do with you? You gotta share this information. So being able to speak up, and I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, Personally, I have no problem saying I have an opinion on this. This is what I found. What do you think? So I think that's one for me that I definitely had going for me is if someone asks me a question, I'm going to give you my answer. Truthful, uh, best of my ability, whether you like that or not. So that's that little, you know, you got to be a little softer around the edges. Sometimes it can't be as direct in a professional setting, but being able to speak up to what you were, what you found to be interesting into your world. There's got to be somebody else out there that finds it interesting, especially if we're focusing on talent acquisition and hiring people. This is, we have had the TA world now has a bigger seat at the table after coming out of the pandemic. Everyone saw how important people were, how hard hiring is. It's not just flipping a switch and I can hire a thousand people. A lot of work goes into that. So speaking up curiosity, follow that rabbit trail. I think that's a little bit of where again, the sourcing world really bleeds in perfectly to this is because I don't know the labor market at that time. When I get the job description, I have no idea. I have to go and do my research. I got to find where that path is. Now I start seeing, I see a good talent pool over here. I see a good over here. I can start dropping some lines in, sending some messages out and seeing what responses I get. Same thing on my side now. Now it's a little bit more strategic. It's a little more focused into the business needs. So we have that that we can always build around and understand. But without that curiosity, without being able to say, hey, I just found this really cool chart that's able to illustrate what just happened over the last three years. Could you use that? Could you could, talking to your leaders, could you use this in any of your conversations? If they say no, that might be a sign of other things to come. uh, Because in this world today, data is the new oil. I think Mm -hmm. Well, the CEOs of Microsoft said that one, that's the big commodity now is data. And we can all see that. So who doesn't need data to make a decision? So that's a natural sort of fit that I've alluded to this earlier
1: and you just touched on a little bit, but so you're talking about taking the initiative, being willing to ask questions, being willing to share some things, being curious. I think all those are great pieces you alluded to. Find someone else who's interested in this. Hopefully you're listening to your leaders around you, the lines of business yeah. leaders, and other operational leaders saying, man, I've got this challenges problem. Okay, great. Let me go dig something up, see if it would help you, which is exactly what you're talking about here. Yep, exactly. What about your own leadership, kind of feeling them out or seeing if they're open to this kind of thing? Because obviously it, it requires some time, some effort, right? Brian likes to eat and feed his family, so he doesn't work for free. They have to be willing to invest in this to some degree to really make it go. How would you fill out a leader if you were at some other organization right now? We just picked you up and plunked you down and said, okay, once you start building this, but the leaders may not know yet that they need this, how would you start feeling them out for that?
0: That That's a good question, Ben.
1: You've already said you're just going to talk whether they listen or not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of it's that, and I want to look at, look back at how I fell into this by, like you just mentioned, listening to my leader. He came, he he said, "I, I want to be the labor market expert. That's literally what I've been trying to do my whole career. Yes, let me figure that out for you real quick. Test. We need resources. That's going to be one thing. I think looking at if if you picked me up now and put me in a new company and said Brian, go build talent intelligence. My first question right off the bat was what resource? What resources do I have available to me? Is it internal? Is it external? Is it another team that's already doing data analytics, or is it another team involved in people analytics and maybe I can. Just inject an external data feed, essentially, or an external data pipeline into their normal curation of data. If none of that exists, that's a different conversation altogether. Not one that is not it's not undoable. It is the bigger lift. Now we're starting. We need more people to look at from a analytical perspective. What does this data mean to us? Speaking in the town intelligence space, that external piece that that means a really big difference between people analytics. And in talent intelligence is being able to inject that external lens to it or that external data coming in. Once we bring that together, that to me is where the intelligence comes in. You have people analytics, you have talent intelligence or talent analytics, bring those together. Now that's kind of the talent intelligence space. I think the other part of that is understanding, and I'm currently living in this Groundhog's Day, if you will. <laughs> what HRS system are you on? When you look back, do you change HRS systems in your recent past? We just recently went through a change and that's been, we're trying to compare and, and the pandemic really just threw a hard line of the sand, pre and post pandemic, hiring, hiring markets. We were in a different system pre pandemic. That's bringing up all of its own hurdles along the way of understanding how do we compare apples and grapes that are not even on the same cart. Like we're like, they're talking different languages, literally. Apples and machetes. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So we being able, like if that's the case, that's where we're at now. If I came into this one, we're learning, we're growing, but I would, for right off the bat, I would need all tricks. I would need some sort of data tool to be able to understand and translate and be able to manipulate the data in a way that I can then align like data sets. Like I said, Groundhog's Day there, that is a, we're in it now and we're trying to figure that out. It sounds real simple. We'll just do A plus A, and there you go. Or just however many hires you had that one year to however many hires you had this year. And it's not as cut and dry as that with some systems, depending on how the legacy was set up and how your new one set up. I have to get all about that. But yeah. resources, technology, those are going to be the first two things I want to understand. From there, it's what you're hiring scale, like what are we looking at here? Are you a company of 300 and you're looking to grow to 3,000? That might be something that you need talent intelligence at a smaller level because yes. you're about to scale up 10X that. So that's a whole different level of, you need to be working smarter, not harder. You need to make that one offer, You know, try to get that offer to hire a show as low as possible. So you're not doing just three times as much work to hire one person. I think starting there, those three things. So technology, resources, being able to understand what the hiring levels or hiring expectations are. From there, now we're getting into more tactical, more cultural. How do you present data? How do you ingest the data? Does your business units do their own workforce planning? Does people department or their HR does their workforce? Now we're getting into... Not an easy answer and it's going to be very nuanced there, but that's yes. kind of that, that the double click in or click through that I would do. Absolutely. I, I love the,
1: I, I happened across that a second ago, but just saying if I picked you up and drop you somewhere else, but I think that's a great way of thinking about that without all the other support you have around you right now. You're like, oh, this would have to be true in order mm-hmm. for that to happen. This would have to be true. I would need this in place. And I'm talking to more talent leaders in the last few years that are telling me, hey, I just changed to a new company. And one of the prereqs or one of the requirements for me going over there was we've got to bring this tool along with me because it helps me to be as effective as I am. I'm hearing more and more of that from leaders across all areas like comp, learning, TA, leaders saying this tool that I've been using, I, I know it really well. I understand how it solves this problem. Best or not, it works for us. And I, it makes me and my team more capable as a function. I'm seeing yeah. more of that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think that's, again, the evolution of talent acquisition right now is we're becoming more technical. It's no longer just get on the phone and call people or just go hire some folks. Just go to a hiring event and set up shop and pass on and take resumes. Like right? you bring your now, table skirt. <laughs> you got your pop-up banner? Yeah, we're good. We'll hire folks. So it's, it's not the same world five, 10 years ago as it is today. I think it speaks even more volumes. What you were just saying there is just technology has such a big impact in talent intelligence specifically. We'll pull that. we'll mark that as my number four requirement of tools must have number four requirement of tools. We use talent neuron, on, I love, love using talent neuron. on it is very powerful because it's, you have that many data scientists, you have that many data points you're scraping, like it really does bring a Higher level of it, not only integrity with our data, but also it's not just me that's running it, that my customers. I'm like, I've got a team behind me, third-party company over here that has data scientists doing it. I can call them up right now and we can dive into the information as deep as we want to go. So I think having that level of backup really helps with technology. Yeah, great. All right.
1: Okay, so I've... I feel like I could just nerd out with you all day long. I go deeper and ask him more nuanced questions, but I'm going to wear you out at some point. So for the audience's benefit, if someone's heard this and says, hey, Brian is doing some cool stuff. I'd love to connect with him, learn more about what he's up to. You okay if I put your link to your LinkedIn in the show notes?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, would, I would say reference this chat. Let me know what we talked about a little bit. That's one of my old school sourcing pet peeves. I get a lot of requests out there. I like to know those that are actually interested in networking and not just trying to sell or something else like that.
1: Yes. So ping Brian, let him know you heard the conversation today that you got something good from that. And he'd love to chat with you, connect with you, talk more about some of these things. He's been a force for really helping me understand more about talent intelligence, helping the, again, putting you in touch with some other people because it's so new that there's a lot of things to, to learn, a lot of ground to cover, and we're all sharing and comparing notes with each other. So thank you again, Brian, for joining me. Such a fun conversation. Look forward to the next time I get a chance to see you in person. Say hello. And to everybody else out there, hope you enjoyed the conversation today. Got some good notes, good ideas from this, some good strategy for your TA function or your talent intelligence function. If you've actually made it that far, we'll catch you again next time on We're Only Human. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanshow.com.